presenting a bold new adventure into Lovecraftian horror and black comedy. The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program's acclaimed second series, The Terrible Secret of Lot X. This is startling and strange, but darling, we might be onto something here. This is why we came to Arkham after all. The Necronomicon. Whatever your intent with this book, you will find more danger than answers. In this program, our cast actually lives the terror. I... The air gives way to the crushing depths. You're drowning. You're drowning in a sea of yellow. <laughs> it's an improvised audio drama that uses Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu role-playing game and the wits of our players. These poor souls never know what's going to crawl out of the darkness. Just search for The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program or unlock all our secrets at CthulhuMystery.com. Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Constant listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast presented by Consequence Podcast Network. I'm your host, editor in chief Michael Rothman, and uh, this is a special day. This is a day that we've been waiting for for a very, very long time uh, because uh, we're going back to Derry, or we're going to almost go back to Derry. We got finally the teaser trailer for it, chapter two. And while that doesn't uh, hit theaters until September 6th, which we accurately uh, uh, stated multiple, multiple times in the <laughs> recent Steeple Tweets episode. Uh, we got one hell of a teaser trailer. We're going to be breaking it down for you today, but I'm not alone. And uh, actually, I am alone because I'm alone in the studio, but I'm not alone here on our call. And uh, we have two fellow losers here, and uh, they're all in separate states. And let's go to Tennessee first. Yeah. Hey, it's me. It's Rockin' Randall Colburn. I am uh, here staring out at the beautiful mountains of Gatlinburg, Tennessee, where uh, I am on uh, vacation with my wife and several of her old college friends. And uh, we spent a nice day, uh, you know, out in the wilderness, things of that nature. And uh, back now to Talk King. Nice. Let me go over to Missouri or no, I, is it Iowa? Oh, my God. <laughs> Iowa City is the name of the town. I know, I know. <laughs> Iowa, Iowa. Who is that? Uh, this is Mel Castle. I'm in Iowa City, um, as has been my want for a while now. Um, you'll have to pardon my less than mellifluous voice today. I'm just getting over a quick cold. Um, I'm staring at my pets who are trying to dismantle um, what looks like a bunch of plastic wrap under the desk. So no mountains <laughs> here, but... Uh, there's still entertainment to be had in good old Iowa City. I gave my students their final today. My general education literature students had some questions about carry on there because we read it this semester. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I got some King Converts in the classroom. What were, that, yeah, what were the questions? Did they like it? Um, I, they loved it. Yeah, they really, really liked it. Um, let me uh, try and remember. One was just about the nature of, like, the TK gene. There's, like, a, 
there's like a great amount of like weird science in Carrie about how the telekinesis gene is like yeah. passed down, which I sort of forgot about. Um, and we talk a lot about how it's an epistolary novel like Dracula, which was our first novel that we read. So um, it's always cool to compare the different techniques in a novel written in the late 1800s and then King's like 1970 epistolary novel. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's I actually um, read Carrie in college for um, women in literature, which and it was taught by, um, you know, it was it was taught by a woman, but she had fully admitted that I was like, yes, I know that Stephen King is a man and wrote this book. Uh, but I actually feel that this is a very strong female character and the way that he writes it. And um, so it was interesting. So we had we had Carrie right next to Shirley Jackson's uh, The Haunting of Hill House and a few other novels that we that we were did that one, there. too. I just Ooh. like redid your whole course. <laughs> yeah. She was really and cool, too. She, I think she was Wiccan. So it was. It was it oh, was really wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Mel, Mel, did you tell your students you're on a Stephen King podcast? <laughs> um, I told one because she asked me how big of a Stephen King fan I was because she's a huge Stephen King fan. Um, and I said, I'm, I'm such a big Stephen King fan that I'm on a podcast. Um, I, maybe she does now. I don't know. She better. You should have made it part of her grade. <laughs> I try to, I try to put a very, uh, indestructible wall between my personal life and the lives of my students, Randall. I was going to say, I'm, one of my, one of the guys here is a teacher and he's talking about like various things that his students have found that he's done online, you know, like nothing too bad, but like old YouTube videos and stuff. And it just made me think about like the horrors that uh, my students would dig up if I were teaching it's, these. Days. It's a lot. If you if you Google me, my Twitter account comes up pretty quickly, and like I don't know, I swear on there. Yeah, <laughs> you swear on here you too. Also, you also are I, always. I, I sure fucking do my. <laughs> you're also always posting videos of you like beating up animals and stuff. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, but ne- never any animals that I know. They're always strangers. <laughs> Well, I just remember in the Cujo episode, you're like, I I just recently put down a dog and um, cut off its head, and I kept the head. So if you that's listen all to our Cujo record. episode, <laughs> listeners, you'll find that that's a blatant exaggeration. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Um, so should we start with the trailer? We have a few things we're going to discuss today. Yeah, let's let's do let's get some some uh, let's do some house chores uh, first. So basically. Oh. We got two stories that we want to basically just discuss real quick before we get into the main event, which is uh, obviously it, chapter two. But there are two big things that happened in the in the past few weeks that um, since we've uh, since you last heard us, uh, the first number one, yes, the first is um, Salem's Lot. We're getting a Salem's Lot movie. Um, Mike, you don't sound too excited. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't think any of us. Are. No, <laughs> I mean, no, that was that was a lead into some opinion. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it basically is a bummer because I this is one of the most anticipated adaptations. I I was you know going into this Stephen King Renaissance, and I just have not been very excited about anything involving Gary Doberman, which is funny because we're going to be talking about something today, obviously with it chapter two, uh, you know, involving Gary Doberman. But oof, the nun is awful. Um, you know, yeah. just just well, really really bad, and ugh. I know, and that's sort of the thing is like. I don't dislike the Conjuring Universe movies, although I haven't seen The Nun yet. But, you know, the Conjuring Universe is is sort of spearheaded by James Wan and, and Gary Doberman has proven himself to be like, a you know, one of the main writers of that whole franchise. Plus, he's directing the next Annabelle movie. And so, um, like, basically, those two guys are sort of the architects of the Conjuring Universe. Mm-hmm. So that they've or at least Wan is scooped up 
Tommyknockers, and now and Doberman's obviously got his fingers in several of Stephen King's properties, and now both of them are working on Salem's Lot. You know, it just the thing is, I'm fine with the Conjuring movies on their own. I see them as very like. I don't know, fine horror movies that are fine, but it's like, you know, Salem's Lot, you want to be something good. And they make, they make kind of really slick studio horror, yeah. you know, yeah. like stuff that's really daring stuff that doesn't really, um, I don't know. It's not exciting. It's not trailblazing and it's not, you know, it doesn't, I like, and, and it all kind of looks the same. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah, they, exactly. They have like a really defined mainstream horror slick aesthetic. And that to me does not feel like it would transfer to Salem's lot, which is to me sort of a very quirky story. I mean, as well, dark and as if you, if you're bad enough to fuck up Catholic horror, which is one of the best <laughs> ne- and easiest niche genres to do. Yeah. Like I'm a little worried. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and honestly, like what story has he ever done that has that type of world building either? You know, like we, right. we, had, we had joked around last year when he was talking about adapting it chapter two and about, oh God, it's just really hard to like bring these characters together. I'm like, how is it hard? You literally have the blueprint like in the book to get these characters together. So yeah. And the structure is like actually fairly easy. Yeah. Like the- hard to bring them together. Like, like, you know, you have the blueprint, but then it's not like the structure is complicated. They're all called back. You know what I mean? It's not that hard. And so, uh, well, the yes. vampires are going to be all CGI yep. and just like, <laughs> exactly. And I guess that's just the bummer is like, is I really want, um, I want there to be a lot of personality and character to this. And if I have a problem with Doberman's uh, work, it's that he just doesn't, his, his writing is very, um, by the numbers and very, uh, you know, beat driven. And I think about, you know, I really liked Annabelle creation, but I think a lot of that had to do with the directing, which was mm-hmm. by David Sandberg, who did uh, Shazam. He just did Shazam. And I thought Annabelle creation was, was really well directed. The script is, you know, it's, it's boilerplate. It's yeah. whatever it's, it's taken out of kind of the, the modern horror playbook. And so, and I guess that, and I guess, and I guess this is, you know, something that we can touch on more in a little bit, but I guess for me, um, I guess my Doberman, <laughs> um, a uh, real test will be with it chapter two, because yeah. the first movie, I feel like we could have, get, we gave it a lot of grace. And I think some of the best parts of it came from Carrie Fukunaga's script, uh-huh. you know, that we had. Well, we, and if you want to talk about slick studio horror, like I feel like my opinion of it chapter one has sort of fallen the more times I watch it because it is sort of, it's got the same sort of slick yeah. slickness to it. And the virtues that it does have come from the surreality of the source material and the script, as you were saying. Yeah. Well, I feel like they, they did the characters right, but I feel like a lot of that probably came from Carrie Fukunaga's draft. Mm-hmm. And so so what I'm curious about is if Doberman handled this script on his own. So I'm curious if, you know, can he pull this off? And and, you know, that's and I guess like the nun is one thing, but can he pull off a king property on his own, which we haven't seen him do yet? You know, no. so so that's you know, I mean, you can write your conjuring movies, whatever. But if you can do something really good with it, chapter two, if, if I watch this and I'm like, hey, the script is actually really strong, then maybe um, then maybe I can be a little more excited about Salem's Lot. But, you know, like and Tommy Knockers with Juan, like, I don't know. I, the thing is, I'm not that invested in that book. And that's the thing is I like that book more than the rest of the pod. But uh, but. But at the same time, I'm not expecting I just want some some nice campiness from it. And so uh, I don't really care what they do with it. I'm just excited to see whatever they do with it. Whereas uh, Salem's Lot is obviously probably in my top three, four King books. And, you know, you want to see it. You want to see some justice done to it. And it's also like it's a very long and um, 
there's just expansive book. I mean, there's so much that happens into it. And I think that's one of the things we discussed in one of the last episodes, um, probably a few weeks ago, where you discussed that it probably would work better as a miniseries, you know, like this, yeah. it, there's just yeah. so much that's going on. And I, I think the, the idea that we've never really seen him work with such an expansive world is a concern. And also the fact that like, I mean, I guess if he has the blueprint and like you said, we're going to see with it chapter two with how he's going to handle source material. Awesome. I'm very excited to see how that, that, that goes, but let's say he fumbles that. Then I'm actually, I have no hope for this because based on everything he leans upon when it comes to originality, it, as you were saying, it recycles the sort of stuff from the horror book. Like, I mean, there's so much, even with this recent, the, you know, this recent uh, conjuring entry, the, the curse of La, La Llorona, like it's literally just, copy and paste horror yep. that they keep That's doing and it's, it's it's exhausting you know and i don't really want that from salem's lot i mean honestly the the, the stuff with salem's lot that's terrifying is the the sort of atmosphere and the tension that you can kind of that that king wires throughout all of the the slower proceedings and you know it's funny we were watching scream last night my girlfriend and i and you know, there's just like one little scene where she's like on her porch on the phone and you see like this like gorgeous, expansive uh, California, um, yeah. you know, lay, layout in this land. And she even she was remarking like, you know, you never really see that in horror movies anymore nowadays or like modern horror movies where you just kind of like sit with the world a little bit and yeah. just kind of enjoy yeah. it. And that's a huge part of Salem's lot. Like you need that. And my most a lot of the book is like Ben just like looking up at that house, the Marston house. And I, I don't yeah. know, I just... No, I agree 100%. I think what what's interesting is, you know, you talk about the expansiveness of it. And when you talk about what's scary about Salem's Lot, I think it's about it's learning the town, learning the characters, mm-hmm. and then watch sort of how one by one, um, they each kind of, you know, the town begins to change. We watch like, you know, I always think of uh, Dud, the, the trash guy, yeah. and sort of his transformation, which to me is like a real turning point in that book. But then once you get to the end, the way King structures it, it's just like all these short chapters and vignettes of various people that have been turned and it's like it's like it's like you know the dominoes fall slowly at first but then they fall like crazy and uh-huh. you need a lot of time to set that up to earn sort of the massive transformation of the town and for me if you focus strictly on sort of the dracula um uh, core group um of you know ben mears and jimmy cody and and danny and that whole crew you miss something you lose something you know mm-hmm. what i mean i like, cause that's, that's the core story, but it's really about the larger community and the slow transformation and the slow deadening of this town. You know, well, when I read Salem's lot for the first time, I remember being blown away that the word vampire doesn't come into the text until I think it's at, at least after page 200. Like we yeah. don't, we don't even get the word. And then of course the vampires themselves are subversions of the sophisticated Dracula like vampires that are populating literature more than these like very monstrous fright nighty types of vampires so i'm hoping that maybe the monsters themselves will help to lend originality i mean 100 100 bucks says um you could take the (laughs) the poster of the nun or any screen grab of the nun and just put (laughs) vampire fangs on it like maybe you even photoshop the ones that are in the toby it's it's annabelle with yeah And and honestly, like I've already been seeing like, you know, it's oh God, it's so funny you mentioned Annabelle again, too, because like when I was sitting there waiting for the it trailer to drop, I was watching. I guess they have this new functionality on YouTube where you can just chat while things premiere. And yeah, I, was, I was watching people's reactions and someone was just like, hope we see Annabelle in this. 
And uh, I couldn't tell if that was a joke or if that's thing? real. You know, it'd be like a Salem's Lot tagline: "Annabelle's out for blood." <laughs> but it's like so absurd. Like, uh, like just exactly what you're saying, though. Like, I've heard the Curse of La Llorona. Like, they tied it into the Conjuring universe in the most like just by throwing one reference to another yeah. movie. It, it's literally you see a priest hold the doll walking into a monastery without them actually mentioning the the like Annabelle the doll. He's just like holding it. So lazy. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> That speaks to the modern audience in some ways, too. Like, we need to train the audience to be different in just the sense that, like, a reference to another movie is not an Easter egg or it's not something to get excited about. It's just, like, like you can't connect a universe by just saying Annabelle exists within this universe. Like, that's, like, what we always bag on with the Dark Tower movie where they're mm-hmm. like, Cujo's in the Dark Tower movie. But what, you just see a fucking St. Bernard on the street? <laughs> like, that's the thing that drives me crazy. Yeah. And it's, like, it's, like... It's like if you're going to build out an expansive universe, like fucking look at what Marvel did. You know what I mean? Those are like inter- interlocking storylines that, that go throughout 22 movies and impact each other. You can't just build a universe because you make references to the other movies within them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they should be impacting each other. But so that's why it's like, yeah, why don't they just fucking throw Annabelle on it chapter two? You know what I mean? It's like it's like why not? <laughs> Because to be it, fair, our guy is guilty of doing this in his books as well, a little bit. Yeah, sometimes. But, but we can look at the overall Stephen King universe and say that it's a work of art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That it's awesome. I mean, yeah, there are little references, but uh, but those are more just kind of like cutesy. Like he's not. It, it's not like that's all he does to build his universe. So I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I I was always hoping that when we in Under the Dome that like. Cujo managed to squeeze into the dome <laughs> before it this comes time, down. This time, Cujo's in the dome. Yeah, yeah, and maybe they could the like fight the corgi that's in that book. <laughs> but maybe the only way that uh, they can get out of the dome is if Christine drives through. <laughs> <laughs> hey, get you that. Get, go get that Plymouth. Uh, you know, we'll get in the car. <laughs> Hey, there's uh, a crazy guy with an axe shouting about Wendy trying to hack into the dome. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, speaking of a crazy guy with an axe uh, trying to crack into a dome, uh, this is a very um, irregular, tra- you know, a seg. But um, King talked to Mick Garris, <laughs> who directed The Shining, which also features a maniac with an axe. Oh, actually, not an axe, but uh, a mallet. But OK, that's yeah. a very, uh, very coarse transition. And I apologize. I like- for all I of that. I, I approve. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, what do we, did, did, Randall, you got to listen to this interview. This is a yeah. big, big yeah. interview because a King never goes out and does anything. Um, and B, he definitely doesn't really go out and do podcasts. So no, when he know. gives interviews, it's usually just to entertainment weekly. Yeah, <laughs> so, it really is. It's, so, it's kind of frustrating. That way. Interesting. And it was funny because it was on Mick Garris's podcast and it sounded like it was, you know, our early episodes of Losers Club. <laughs> like it, it was like the lowest quality ever. Um, it was very funny. But it was it was an interesting interview. I wouldn't say that I learned too much or glean too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that there's some interesting tidbits where King talks about um, – the stand reboot. He doesn't give away much at all, but he does say that um, he's happy that there's two extra hours, you know, because it's going to be, um, I guess it's going to operate uh, instead of six hours or wait, how long was the original? Was it eight hours or six hours? Like with commercials? I want to say it was like around six hours, but I, I know that he I, was saying that because that there's cursing and there's a bigger, um, you know, they're going to be able to curse. They're going to be able to have the violence. They're going to be able to yeah. have a bigger budget. He was, it was kind of interesting to hear him talk about how, um, yeah, like they're going to have a little bit more flexibility in that respect. Yeah, it was four episodes originally, 
um, and it totals 366 minutes. So, okay. yeah. So, so he said there was like two more hours that they were going to get to use, mm-hmm. which is just great. And then you talked about his son writing on it and he sounded really positive about it. But of course he's always positive about these things. And, um, just so a positive guy, he really I is. But I, like, so, uh, I did so love he, that you could hear like, and I mentioned this on Twitter, but I love that you could, men- you could hear his like house sounds and you could like hear the wind chimes in the background. So I just imagine he was like drinking like iced tea, like on the porch or something like that. <laughs> Eating a mayonnaise and butter sandwich or whatever the <laughs> fuck. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else did he talk? He talked about the Institute a little bit. He didn't yeah. say about it, but he, you know, he kind of talked about some of the general ideas about it and the idea of, um, you know, the front half and the back half, like of this Institute and the idea that kids disappear once they go to the back half. And he was kind of just using that as a means to talk about other things. But, um, he but did he said, say that, like, if you told him you would have to kill him and I know there's a joke, but there's a lot of like, I mean, we've had a lot of talk about this being like a sequel to the shop of sorts. And I do wonder yeah. if this is actually like one of his like first, like real, real, in canon books in since God, what, like 1122 maybe or revival. I mean, not even revival, but like it it just, it feels like this is going to be something that ties larger to King's dominion than say like Mr. Mercedes or the outsider. Yeah. He said there's a lot of moving parts in the book and that, um, he kind of mentioned that it was a, uh, like a kind of a bigger ensemble. And I think he, I think he said it jumps around time a lot too, Mm -hmm. which was interesting. So yeah, so it'll be interesting. It sounds like a very ambitious book compared to his last few. And, um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think that should be great. Uh, I wanted him to kind of, I, I don't know, I was kind of hoping for a few more, um, maybe fun behind the scenes of making the stand, the miniseries bits, but they talked a little bit about casting. They talked about, uh, you know, Gary Sinise and, and King was very, very, um, you know, happy with the casting obviously. And they talked about, uh, Matt Frewer, like nailing the audition mm-hmm. for Trans man. And, uh, like when he did that scene with Randall flag, like the tears in his eyes, like when he did all that and they were, you know, they were, they were bragging on that. And then also just like, they were so happy with, um, with uh Gary for Gary Sinise for sure like yeah yeah he calls out Gary specifically because I think he was the only one that like King was really like adamant on yeah Um, and hey that was a good performance it really is a good performance and even though we didn't get to see a little rock and roll from Gary Sinise um (laughs) you know um but I the, the one thing I really liked about that was just them talking about just kind of like the little inside baseball things. Like I, I really like that. Um, <laughs> well, th- we kind of found this out on postmortem from the week beforehand when he, when he did like Mick Garris does this, like ask Mick anything sort of thing. And he talked about how like um, <laughs> somebody asked about don't dream it's over. The crowded house song that plays like, oh, yeah. over all the scenes from the apocalypse. And I guess in the script King had written like for the beach boys, fun, 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 <laughs> which yep, is like, yep. what? That, I don't even know how that would have translated. Um, but it was fun seeing him to like kind of relent and be like, you know what? That was a better choice, Mick. And it was beautiful. And it, it was just very cute. Like it, it, it felt like, you know, told two old men that you get to kind of hear in a bar talking occasionally. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that's King's morbid side coming out and, and Mick was like, why don't we have a nice little moment of emotion here? So mm-hmm. it's, uh, that was kind of cool. And it was just neat to see, I don't know, to hear them banter because obviously they've worked on so many projects together and King is obviously very fond of him. And, uh, and yeah, it was just cool to hear that little banter between them. And, um, and King talked a little bit about sort of the, you know, when he first wrote the book and, uh, and sort of the political climate mm-hmm. that he was going on and things like that. So, um, 
I also, was, I also love how he kept calling him Mick, like regardless yeah. of the fact that they've been talking for 40 to 45 minutes, like there's like little like personal inflections that he would add into this, that you could just, you get a little bit more of Stephen King. Cause I, I mean, I honestly, other than hearing him talk at, you know, occasional, you know, uh, appearances and whatnot, I, I, I don't really hear a lot of like interviews with him. So like having him just knowing that he has that sort of personal touch where he just is going to say your name again and again was very, I, I don't know. I thought it was cute. I just thought it was really yeah. adorable, but no, it was cool. It was a good, it was, I mean, it's a good listen. You're not, I don't think it'll blow you away. It's no. not like it's, it's like uh goes really deep into any particular topic, but you know, it's a very, it's a very sweet conversation and it's just, it's fun to just kind of hear uh, those two. I was, I was they, bummed they, out. We did not hear Molly barking in the background. I was I so know. bummed out about that. Like this dog is supposed to be this terror, you know, this was this thing of evil and I didn't hear any barking. I really just wanted to hear barking and be like, Molly, shh. Like that would have been, that would have made the whole interview for me. I know. The only other thing I thought was fun was when he was talking about the Shining miniseries and mm-hmm. how people were telling him not to do it because they're like, well, the movie's so iconic. And he goes, and he's like, fuck that movie. Like, he, or he goes, fuck Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to take the story that I wrote, you know? Yeah. And, then, uh, and then he talked about, uh, he's like, talk about them actually filming at the Overlook. And then they talked about him wearing all the prosthetics to play the dead band leader. Um, <laughs> so, so I, like, I like that they're saying like Pat Hingle was like a huge deal. In the, yeah. <laughs> like okay um but, but for them you know it's like those old school dudes i mean yeah, yeah. it's a whole other world yeah. are but any that, of us going to see him in is it minneapolis over uh, the summer it's this month so oh, man. you know okay, it's, it's coming not. up it's coming up really soon i've i've molded over because i think it would be really fun to see him live um, you know, when we had, when we talked to, um, Tanana Reeve do, she was talking about like rocking out with him, And I was like, I kind of want to see this in person. Like I, mm-hmm. uh, videos aren't going to do it justice. I need to see him in like the flesh to do this. So there's, I'm still right. debating yeah. cause it's only a, tr- it's only a drive away. Like I can, you know, get in there and hop over the fence or something and be like, Steven, come here and just, you know, get tackled. But <laughs> wait, is it Minneapolis? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Minneapolis is still really far though. I know it's a really long fucking drive. I did that for yeah. my, uh, my, my bachelor party. And I, it just was the long, like, I remember we finally got there and all of us were too tired to do anything. <laughs> because it was like five hours of nothing. Um, yeah. Well, all right. Should we talk about the main event? Uh, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. We're going to be talking about it. Chapter two teaser trailer. Let's just put this. This is a spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. We are going to be talking about the book. We're going to be talking about yeah. uh, tidbits that, you know, will explain scenes in the trailer. Um, I'm putting huge red letters and spoilers on my takeaways piece that I'm doing for Consequence of Sound because of that. And because there's a lot to be spoiled in this trailer. So if yeah. you don't want yeah. to know anything that goes on in this movie, A, you probably shouldn't be watching the trailer anyway. And B, <laughs> definitely don't listen to this conversation that we're going to be having <laughs> right now. This meeting of the Losers Club has officially begun. We can do this, but we have to stick together. Okay, who wants to kick this off? Uh, Well, I guess I'm curious, like, what was maybe, maybe a good way to kick it off is like, what was your first reaction upon watching it like when it finished how did you feel mike or mel why don't you start yeah i i like the structure of it i like 
we open with a a drawn out actual full well not full but a, but a slightly cut scene with Beverly and Miss and Mrs. Kirsch and then once we know what we're about we get a couple abrupt flashes and that's it yeah um, I'm into that as a trailer structure I agree I'll say the thing is like at first I was like, I was texting with you, Mike and, and everybody. And it, and I was a little bit like, man, what are they doing showing a whole scene here? But, but along the, but along the same lines, I'll say that it really felt fresh just in that, the trailer structure, because I mm-hmm. feel like trailers have really become sort of repetitive these days. Like they kind of hit the same, uh, big drum beats and stings and, and move at kind of a similar pace. So it was actually kind of an interesting slower trailer. And uh, yeah, slower so- is a good keyword. Like I was actually yeah. surprised, like I think about maybe a minute in when um, Bev is just kind of standing there in, in the living room and it's literally silent for five seconds. And I'm like, yeah. this is a trailer. Like that's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, it reminds- and that's why I was so mad over text when I was like, why don't they fully commit to this? Why are they flashing back to child Bev and ruining the whole conceit of this as a slow burn, full scene, live in the moment trailer? So I, I wish they had committed to it more fully. Well, it just makes me think of like when I do write up trailers, like when I wrote up like, uh, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, or like when I wrote up the Ari Aster's Midsummer trailer, you know, they, they do those things where it's just like boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 with all these different images. And you're like sitting there pausing and pausing and pausing and trying to get a look at what that one flash image is, you know, so you can get some kind of thing. And there was some of that at the end of this trailer, but it was kind of neat to just kind of be able to live in a scene for a little bit. And so while at the one, you know, and a lot of our viewers, um, I was reading a lot of the Instagram comments on it. And, um, a lot of viewers were, were a little bit annoyed at this idea of like, you know, this could feel like a spoiler, you know, like this whole scene. And I mean, but the thing is you're going to, the trailers are spoilers nowadays. Mm -hmm. I've just come to accept that. Like, totally. totally. so entire too much. And so I kind of enjoyed that. They just kind of, uh, lived in this one scene. And I'd say that scene was a good choice because not only is it a beloved scene in the book and one of the scarier scenes, of the adult section of the book. It's also one of the more effective parts of the mini series. Like, mm-hmm. um, cause the second part of the mini series is pretty rough. I think we can all agree. Yeah. Um, but the, the most effective one is the Mrs. Kirsch scene. And I, I, I still find it effective to this day. And so I'll say that, um, I thought this was a good one to lead with. And I thought that it did a nice job of, of showing both how it was, um, you know, still adhering to and, um, honoring the book, but it also had its own like Andy Muschietti uh, uh, touches in there. Which oh, we can absolutely. Talk about, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The... On second, go ahead. Uh, no, no, go for it. Go for it. I was going to say on second watch, there are so many little, little, I don't know, modern horror mm-hmm. leaning jump scary parts in the Mrs. Kirsch scene that I really missed on first watch, mm-hmm. like her, her head peeking out from the door frame. Ooh, that scared or, me. That, that, um, that admittedly got me. <laughs> I will say. <laughs> Um, I, I'm a little upset that they did the whole, like, like you already know something is so totally wrong when she like squirms and runs in the yeah. background. Um, I wish there had been a slower build. Yeah. Um, and if you want to talk about copy pasting from earlier, like, I feel like this theme of, isn't it creepy when old people are running around naked mm-hmm. yeah. is like drawn directly from both the visit and hereditary. Yes. Like, yes, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, I, I saw a lot of the visit um, in comments and tweets today, and I, I think that the thing that, that that does 
you know, give me a little fear still is that they are leaning on those like for those fast sort of jumps, you know, and, and the only thing that is, you know, giving me solace is the fact that there's a lot of peripheral horror in this trailer and even beyond this scene. Um, but of, of the peripheral horror you do get in this scene is pretty effective. Like you had mentioned, like when she kind of appears along, you know, alongside the line, I was actually getting screen grabs for this feature I'm working on. And I just had not seen that. Right. And all of a sudden, as I'm like readying the screen grab, her face comes around the corner. I was like, oh, my God. And I like literally <laughs> screamed out loud in, in my room. And that just never happens for me. So like if they can continue to like kind of lean on that peripheral horror in this movie, I would I'll be I think I'll I'll enjoy it a little bit more in terms of the horror factor. Yeah, especially because, you know, if there's one thing I think we all, when it comes to the original movie, we were annoyed by the CGI, definitely. That was something that really bugged us. And I think it was also sort of the fast-moving, like, screaming horror, you know, which is what happens at the end of this trailer. And um, so I guess, like, my hope is that uh, is obviously we're still going to get some of that, and that's very much a Moschietti thing. If you watch Mama, um, he does similar bits in that. Um, But I'm just hoping that that there is maybe sort of a more eerie, more um, dread-inducing kind of horror. Because, yeah, yeah, I think that yeah. for me was um, Mrs. Kirsch peeking around the corner was when I first watched it. I was like you, Mike, in that um, I caught it out of the corner of my eye, and I, I wasn't sure what I'd seen at yeah. first. And my only thing is like, man, imagine if you saw that in the theater exactly. and you couldn't rewind it and you just had to sit with it a little bit, you know? Like I that, also think yeah. this is such a huge opportunity to – differentiate itself from the first movie in terms Mm -hmm. of the type of scares. If we go from what scares a child and how children perceive things that they're afraid of to a more adult zone, like, like even if I didn't fully love the choices that were made, I would be, it, I would be struck dumb in admiration if they, if they really did something totally different from the first one. Like, I just think that it's such a good opportunity and I'm not convinced that they're going to do it, but I'm really hopeful. Cause when you think about like a studio saying, Hey, do what you did in the first one. Cause mm-hmm. that made money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the hope is that they would stylistic stylistically differentiate it. Um, because there is some of that in the book too. And oh, it's so, so it's, yeah. it's like the best part when things get a little grimmer and, and just different as adults. Like I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how much time do you think they're really going to take, uh, before the losers all get together? Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I mean, it depends on how long the movie is. Like if I see that it has like a two and a half hour running time, then maybe I might. It's going to be long. It's going to be at least as long as the first one. 
How long was the first one? It, it was, was around, pretty long. I think it was around was two, around two two hours and ten minutes. Let me look real quick. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I figured that. I don't know. I figured they maybe give them thirty minutes separate, uh, thirty to forty minutes probably. Um, I would imagine, and then and yeah, I it was one hundred and thirty-five minutes. Wow. Oh, okay, yeah. And so I hope that they give it a little bit of time because I think you know if they want us to care about the lives they have outside of outside of dairy. I mean, if we, if they want us to care about Audra, which, um, I think is a, you know, the book does a pretty decent job of it, but the miniseries did not. <laughs> and no. if they, you know, they might I, cut Audra. I wouldn't be surprised if she's not in this at all. No, she's in, they, ca- they cast her. Oh, she, really? Yeah. Okay. The, um, the actress who, from IMDb. teeth, the, yeah, she, the actress from teeth is going to Jess Wex, uh, Jess Wexler. Um, she's going to be in it. So, and um, they cast a guy to play, um, Beverly's husband, right? Tom. Tom, I believe mm-hmm. that. Yeah, Tom's Tom's cast also. Uh, Will Beinbrink is playing him. And honestly, it, uh, Will Beinbrink. I hope that they lean into those storylines because, you know, they kind of excise them a lot in the miniseries. And I think that they can be really effective. I love the idea of the outsiders coming in mm-hmm. and being being like interwoven into Pennywise's sort of web. You know, that's very interesting to me. Well, we and, definitely uh, see the bruises on Bev's arms. So she's been Tom. That's, I mean, that's obviously going to be attributed to Tom. Um, yeah. So they're yeah, going to, that's a good point. I didn't catch that when I watched it. You had mentioned that, that you can see bruises on her, which is creepy as hell. And I think that that's there. I wouldn't be surprised if they spent some time with, you know, her in Chicago um, or wherever they change it to. But I mean, that's my thing is like, those those scenes they happen early on in the book and they're really key because you really do get into the characters and gets insight into the characters and I think if you're if Doberman's smart um <laughs> he'll you know he'll he'll have leaned on that for this screenplay to kind of because I mean honestly there are the same characters but they're not really you know no. and I hope we open with Stan and his and his demise I hope we open with as a direct contrast to the weirdness of Georgie, mm-hmm. like this more adult controlled, weird, dramatic thing. Like, I think that would be great. Yeah. I, I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be between Stan and Adrian Mellon, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. And they started the miniseries mm-hmm. Stan and I believe the book starts with Stan, um, or at least somewhere around there. So I, I could be wrong, but, um, so they might switch it up by doing the Adrian Mellon story, which I can foresee being, cause it's one of the scariest parts of the book and I can foresee it being uh, really terrifying here. Hope, And then it's just wild that they have Xavier Dolan. Who's like, you know, uh, can one, uh, wunderkind, you know, um, yeah. little f- He's like 27 and he's like made like four movies that have all been critically acclaimed, <laughs> but he still acts. And so, yeah, I think it's kind of neat that he's in this movie and I'm curious to see how, uh, how they're going to manifest that character. I don't, we don't get any glimpses of that. Although I think Justin said that we see the bridge, right? Uh, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. we see all the balloons coming out from under the bridge, right? Yeah. We see, we, we definitely are going to have that scene. Um, they've cast bullies with the Adrian Mellon, uh, sequence, um, right. and they have Don Haggerty, they cast Taylor Frey as Don Haggerty, which is, you know, which is Adrian's boyfriend. So, uh, they're, I mean, they're going to do that whole sequence. And, and it seems as if they're taking, you know, based on this trailer, it, it seems as if they're going to have a lot of more side stories with the kids too, still, you yeah. know, to kind of fill in the gaps. Yeah, which I'm really curious about. Like, um, I, I wonder if it's just going to be more glimpses or if we're actually going to spend any like meaningful time because, uh, you know, ostensibly we have seen the 
full journey played out there. But some of the glimpses we get to the kids, we see obviously the reflections in the window, which I think is going to more so be a, you know, when everybody's gathered together and they see them all together. But then we also see like, like a moment of intimacy between, uh, Bill, young Bill and young, um, Bev, Bev, which is something that I don't believe we saw in the first movie. So I feel like that's really interesting. And I wonder like what sort of gaps they're going to try to fill in there. I mean, obviously there's, there's a lot of stand content that, uh, that, you know, we get in the book that, uh, is delivered later in the book. So I wonder mm-hmm. if they're get into any of that, which would be really interesting to me. Because isn't Stan in the book involved also with the bird as well, or whatever yeah. happens at the, the watering, um, mm-hmm. or the water plant like that's yeah. So that could, you know, be a, a scene that he has. I mean, and I do wonder if, there's just so much you can do with these adults Mm. because they, they are really just windows to the past. So if anything that they didn't get from the first one, they could easily just go mine back in the other one. And one thing that, you know, Caffrey had pointed out in the text was that it appears as if they are going to be using some stuff that they didn't use in the first one. And one of the things that's really kind of jarring is at least with Pennywise is, you know, in the trailer we see, um, Bill Skarsgård, like tearing off his face, yeah, you know, and that ties that's into the portrait shot. of, you know, Pennywise, the dancing clown. And, you know, back in 2017, Bill Skarsgård said that, you know, this is what he told Vulture. Um, he said there was a scene we shot that was a flashback from the 1600s before Pennywise was Pennywise. The scene turned out really, really disturbing. And I'm not the clown. I look more like myself. It's very disturbing and sort of a backstory for what it is or where the Pennywise came from. That might be worth something exploring in the second one. The idea is the it entity was dormant for thousands and thousands of years. The flashback scene hints on that. Um, yeah. And he says that Variety notes Variety notes that a previous draft of the film does include a colonial set sequence where it devours a child. So mm-hmm. there could Love be, that. you know, right. So I'm wondering if like, given the fact that we see, you know, the, you know, the, the, the portrait that's in Kirsch's um, house and then also yep. that scene, I think we're going to probably get a lot of that sort of context. I think so. I definitely think so. And that was a really, and you know, that's, that was a really effective part of the book for me. I know that when we, when we uh, did our episodes, I talked at length about the Kirsch sequence and, um, and how creepy it is, you know, once her voice starts shifting and the accent comes out and and we get in this, she says fodder, you know, F-A-D. Are. And then um, there is that emphasis of like, you know, my father, this uh, and then the photo of, of the Pennywise uh, dancing clown and all that stuff. And then um, and we get that. And what was the name? Do we remember the name of the clown like that we get in the book? It's Bob like Gray. Uh, Bob Gray, uh, Robert Gray. Like, yeah. Like and I don't know if we're going to get that in this, but it it's the same sort of thing where we where we get these glimpses of uh, the idea that Pennywise was once, uh, you know, it's not like its natural form is this clown. Where did the clown come from? And we get hints of it in the book. And then I think, uh, we're getting hints of it in this trailer. And that to me, especially combined with that shot of him pulling the, you know, the clown makeup off or whatever that, excuse me, that, um, that to me is a very exciting thing that they mm-hmm. could do. And I think he's right there. The, he's palpable. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, did you guys see any of the headlines that were like, we meet Pennywise's weird daughter in this trailer as if yeah. she's like a separate <laughs> canonical character. No, well, they, no. They, they do make it sound like that. Like in the, like if you haven't read the book, you know, right. I feel like, right. uh, 
that is what you would think. Although I don't remember, is that like, yeah, I guess that is how it is in the book too. It, it is a curious thing that she, she leans so hard into the idea of, of being Pennywise's daughter. But then you also just say, well, is, is that what Pennywise is doing to get under Bev's skin, you know, mm-hmm. because father daughter relationship. That That's what I always took it as. I never really took it as literal. I mean, honestly, anything yeah, she backstory... literally turns into Pennywise by the end of it. Yeah. In the book. Right. But does she do that in the movie? Like, are they going to toy with it a little bit? I'm not That's saying what I'm wondering. Yeah. She's a separate. I'm not saying she's like a separate character, but in the book, we actually, and in the miniseries, we actually watch her transform into Pennywise. Well, because um, because in the book, it's, it's all in Mike's, uh, you know, historical photos that his father has, where you actually even see the, some of the clown stuff. Like, I don't even remember that being in the Kirsch house or the quote unquote Kirsch house. Do you? Or? No, 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 it's not. You get the Robert Gray. Uh, there's a dresser that has the initials like BG or RG in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, so there is that connection, but I don't remember there being photos at all. Which is really creepy. There. The name Bob Gray, when you actually think of it, because you know Albert Fish was that was like his pseudonym. Um, oh, was it? Mm-hmm. And he was like the child killer and all, which is really I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really like kind of eerie. Like they. He used to call himself by the name like Robert Gray. So it's and he would eat he would eat children too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> so maybe the, I, I wonder if he's trying to do some sort of historical fiction there. You know, we're like, hey, this is this is actually you know it was really Pennywise the whole time that was killing all these kids. Um, oh, that's fascinating. I um. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit while we're on Kirsch a little bit. Um, you know, what do you think we're seeing when she opens up her shirt and we see sort of the uh, the wounds on her chest? Like, what is that getting well, at? Did you notice what's on her shirt? No, I, I missed it. There are birds it- on a wire. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know how much of to take from that. I mean, it could be either a, a reference to the bird that's that that Hanlon sees later on. Um, yep. or it could be the reference to the sparrows that are in Castle Rock for Dark Half. Yeah. But yeah. um, you know, or it could just be a reference to Albert Hitchcock's The Birds, a great popcorn classic. <laughs> or are Stan <laughs> using the bird book to defeat Pennywise initially? Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. So I think that that's that's definitely a deliberate decision for sure. But I don't know. I don't, the sores are weird. I mean, did, what's what's one what's really eerie is that right before that you see six flies for six losers. Um, yeah, yeah. Some of our, I noticed some of our commenters pointing that out. Yeah, I figured, I don't know if there was any meaning to it. I guess it, maybe it just harkens back to the the book where she starts to sort of like uh, uh, depreciate sort mm-hmm. of in front of, like just starts to rot in front of uh, Bev. And so. Has yeah, anyone that, seen The Faculty? Oh, yeah. yeah John Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you remember when that scene where like the old lady like can't handle being um, abducted or, you know, um, assumed by the aliens because her body's too frail and can't handle the dehydration? It like reminded me of that sequence for some reason. <laughs> No, no, actually, that makes total sense. Yeah. It reminds me of Eddie's leper, too. Like, it mm-hmm. looks similar to what's going on on his oh, skin. Really? Yeah, that's really neat. Or uh, it could even be, like, you know, leftover wounds from the losers the first time. Like, it's a sensitive, <laughs> sensitive spot for Pennywise. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was really creepy that maybe this is just stupid of me, but I thought it was eerie that the postcard still has blood on it, considering the blood isn't really supposed to be there, you know, and like it's mm. it's you would think that like if pennywise was defeated maybe the blood would go away finally but it you know it's still on the postcard it's still stained yeah, uh, yeah. Um, i was a little i was uh confused that they didn't show us the gross tea the blood tea oh the, sh- the shit well the shit tea the shit water in the book oh yeah right? sorry it's shit <laughs> i do wonder yeah i do wonder if there's if um like how much more of that scene we'll get um you know once we actually watch it uh but yeah i i do want to talk a little bit about 
sort of naked Mrs. Kirsch and uh, <laughs> and and that whole thing because I while I found the while I found the peeking around the corner to be really spooky, uh, you know, once I think when she mentioned, she's like, Oh, he was the dancing clown or or maybe you see dancing on the the clown photo. I can't remember, but she like dances in the kitchen foyer or whatever, like Mm -hmm. behind. And that to me was, it's creepy, but it's also a little silly. Like, you know, it's, it's where I kind of get to that point where I like, I don't want my ghost to be too whimsical. Yeah. Well, it's like, why, I mean, I guess she's supposed to be changing or shaking up or something like that, but it's, it's just played for like, isn't this creepy? You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's lazy. <laughs> yeah. Where like, like it works to me on sort of that basic visceral level, but it's one of those things where you think about it a little bit. And it's like, it's like when you see her at the end of the hallway, which is, you know, the shot of her at the end of the hallway is creepy enough, but then you have to do like this little, like, you know, quick shake and then sort of transform a little bit. And it's kind of like, the old hey, quick shake. <laughs> yeah. The old quick shake. You know, it was just a little bit weird, but, um, it's funny because I've always been freaked out by the idea of something staring at you around a corner. It's mm-hmm. like something that goes way back to me. Do you guys remember the MTV show fear? Yes. Like, yeah. Where they would like, they would like, uh, uh, see how long they could stay in like haunted places, mm-hmm. like before they down and they would wear these camera apparatuses that at the time were like really cut. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, and they always had Godsmack playing in the beginning and the ending. They <laughs> did, but I do remember there was one episode where they were like getting the history of this abandoned hospital, and they were talking to like a janitor that worked there, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I just remember I would be cleaning in this area, and I would always think that there was something staring at oh. me from around the corner um, of this hallway, and every time I would look, I feel like for a split second I would see it, and then it would be gone, and then I would turn." Oh. See it out of the corner of my eye again. That something was staring at me around the wall, and I turn and it would be gone again. And that to me was so scary. Oh, like yeah. I, was, I mean, my hair is standing up right now just thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. Especially and like, since I'm alone in here. But <laughs> <laughs> and like that to me is so freaky. And so that's why I think I found that that section um uh freaky. And also because her movements, you know, like I like, you know, they get a little bit silly when you see her sort of dancing across, but like there is also sort of this um jittery. Um, sort of live movement that is so divorced from the old woman persona that you see even when she's peeking that I find really unnerving. Well, it's it's also it's there's this playfulness to it in the peeking around that's really creepy, like being like, oh, is she buying it? That's kind of that kind of yeah. scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. But also, if you lean too hard in that, it becomes a little too cute. Um, yeah. The thing that I the the body walking across reminded me of is um, have you ever seen The Sentinel? with um no. it's, it's, no, a, it's no. a really old 70s horror movie but it's it's a great horror movie but there's a great scene where um i'm actually gonna spoil it but there's a great scene where like a door opens and this just pale white body just walks across it almost reminds me of a little bit of like exorcist 3 too um oh, yeah. and yeah. this this that scene definitely like kind of conjured up those feel you know those fears you know pun intended but um and uh, but at the same time like yeah it's just there's something about it that looks a little too fake like I don't, I, I, I never, the problem I have with the conjuring horror is that at sometimes, most of the time I just assume it's CGI horror because it looks so elaborate and crazy and, and fantastical so that when it, there actually is practical effects, I wonder like, or when there actually are practical effects, I do like, are they <laughs> like, I don't really know. Like, I mean, it, it just, it seems so like when it's usually a mix anyway, like it's never a hundred percent practical. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope that the CGI is better in this one than in the first one, because yeah. I think that's what we struggled with was with some of the, uh, you know, not so um, uh, graceful CGI. And uh, well, even I just hope- the idea that like you'd have when we watch Castle Rock and, you know, Bill Skarsgård, who's just sitting there is far more terrifying as himself <laughs> than anything he does in it. 
God, it's so true. Horror movies are afraid of stillness these days. It's mm-hmm. not good. Yeah. Well, it's coming from someone who just watched The Cell and, and won't shut up about it. <laughs> the Cell I is would, so good. I love we The Cell. We should do a Cell cast sometime because uh, <laughs> I love The Cell a lot. I haven't seen it in years, but I loved it when I was a kid. I love Vince Vaughn's role in it. in it. It's great. <laughs> Do you um, like Vince Vaughn in it? Yeah, he, he's just yes. kind of like this periphery character. And whenever he appears, he's he's still doing that serious, like, uh, you know, Clay Pigeons uh, style of acting that he was doing at the time. Yeah, um, he hasn't done no fighting crashers and stuff yet. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a there's a lot of stuff in this one trailer that I'm legitimately shocked they were able to put so much in here. Um, yeah. I, do you want me to run down a few things that I noticed? Yeah, do it. Okay, do it. so... Um, basically like right after the, the whole curse scene, uh, we get glimpses of the adults, which by the way, I think the adults look perfect in terms of the casting. Um, but we find out is really hunky though. Oh, I know. That's a little, that's the one that's so hot. Like, let's think (laughs) about it. It's too hot. Let's think about it. (laughs) Ben growing up to be John Ritter, like, okay, I can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, like John Ritter's hot, but he's also a normal man. Whoever is playing Ben, I forget his name. He is the he is the hottest person I've ever I know. seen. He's so gorgeous. And and, like, and I just can't buy that. Like, I mean, look, Jerry O'Connell <laughs> went from Vern to Jerry O'Connell. So yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> come on. <laughs> like, come on. Anyways. Okay. Continue. So, so yeah, so they're, they're all walking around, which a, uh, walking tours, isn't that the, that's a big part of the book. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah. 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 So that's, we definitely see that they're going to be doing that. And I, I'm actually really excited and I hope it's not just a montage and that you actually get some sort of, um, you know, extended patient moments as they're going around. Yeah, town. it seems like Richie is alone for the for the Paul Bunyan moment, yeah. so I'm hopeful yeah. as well. Yeah, I love and I, oh God, I love that. But um, we get to see the losers at the Jade. So um, seems as if uh, Ben that's happening. That's going to happen. Can't wait. We get a uh, Ben Bev, and I believe it was um oh shoot, who was the third one that's in that scene with her? Um, ben, Bev, and oh, and Richie with, Richie. yeah, with, um, uh, with, and I think who's that looking at the fish tank, I think it's Eddie, uh, Bill and Mike. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that it seems like we're going to have split groups in that sense when they, when they first get there, um, which I think is actually true to the, the original book too. So yeah. that's, yeah. that's good. Um, we get a, a glimpse of Georgie. Hey there. Um, says hi, <laughs> <laughs> says hi to Bill. Um, <laughs> What I love is that when you get a glimpse of the past, when all the kids are on the bicycles, um, Richie Tozier, a.k.a. Finn Wolfhard, a.k.a. Um, Mike uh, from Stranger Things, uh, Mike Wheeler, <laughs> uh, a.k.a. lead singer of Calpurnia, is wearing like a, a screaming hand skate shirt, which I thought was uh, makes him seem a little cool. Um, nice. You had mentioned, uh, Mel, uh, the, the scene with Richie seeing Paul Bunyan. If you look behind him, everyone's also staring at Paul Bunyan. And in frozen terror in a way, or like they seems like they're as if they're frozen, kind of like the shots that we had in the first one where you could see like the librarian doing that weird grin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So that I was thought cr- it was like creepy. they almost look like they were arrayed for like that concert that is mentioned in the book. Mm. Like they're all there for a festival of some. And then we yeah, there's like an amusement park later. Oh, yeah, I I saw the amusement park. That was really interesting. Yeah, and that's that's what's really weird because not only do you see the amusement park that's at night and you assume that, well, okay, well, that's where Adrian Mellon's going to be, um, but then you later see an older Bill, uh, James McAvoy, a.k.a. Charles X, a.k.a. The Beast, um, 
Go, he's running through the fair, you know. Sorry, that's not Beast from X Men. Again, he is Xavier in X Men. He's Xavier in X Men. Split, but we are talking about Beast and Split. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't think of any other uh, IPs that he's attached to. Oh yeah, he's in a uh, Atomic Blonde. But um, anyway, so he's running through the fair. So I assume that there's going to be some sort of epic thing that happens at the fair. Yeah, you know. Um. We get the hundreds of balloons that we mentioned. So it's under the bridge. And it seems as if Mike Hanlon's at the scene because he's picking up yep. one of the balloons with a string on it. Yeah, that's popped. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's on the book, though. Right? I don't remember that now. So that's kind of interesting that he's going to be that involved there. But um, but we know that he he stayed in dairy yes. as a drug addict. Oh, yeah. We, we don't see any evidence of he's that. He's looking here. pretty good in the trailer. Yeah, he's looking great. I will say when they're all like disheveled staring there at the end and they see the reflection, which is clearly the ending of the movie because spoiler alert, Eddie's not there. Um, yeah. They all look really disheveled in ways that, you know, that kind of go into kind of feed into our fears or that no, you know, diminish our fears of like, are they all just going to look really too hot? You know, like even, <laughs> you know, even I, because like Isaiah Mustafa is gorgeous. Like, I mean, he's yes. just an absolutely gorgeous They're man. They're all hot. They're all really hot. But they don't look too hot. I don't feel I like don't, in this. They look, they look too hot for me. I, I, I don't know. Like if you look at Isaiah again, it seems like he put on some weight for this movie, which because, you know, those old spice commercials, he looks like he's chiseled from God. And in this one, he kind of has <laughs> he kind of has like the baby fat that no, Chosen Jacobs has. They're like they're like still very schlubby hot instead of instead of normal people like the mini. <laughs> well, let's just say that you know Bill Hader doesn't look like he has his shit together like he does in in a, a Barry like in terms yeah, of his haircut. Yeah, let's just say I would fuck both in. Oh, I would absolutely <laughs> sleep with Bill Hader. But um, all right, so we get to see that Paul Bunyan's back. I don't know how they're going to handle that. I mean, we've seen behind the scenes footage of Pennywise with the balloons, so that's an actual real shot with wire work, which I appreciate. It looks awesome, yeah. So that looks great, and that shot is amazing. Um, we see the the aforementioned shot of him peeling off the face. So I think that you know that kind of doubles down, and then possibly on the theory that we're going to get the origin story. There is uh, the shot of Bev and Bill kissing, which means that Bill's going to be cheating on Andra. Um, <laughs> right after that, we get two really, really revelatory moments. One, you get to pretty much see Eddie's like quote unquote sacrifice. Because he goes and, and goes to strike something, something green. Um, everything's glowing. And they're green. like in the sewers. Yeah. It's implied. But you know who else is also, you know, who else is in the sewer? Who, Mike? Yeah. Mike. <laughs> Mike Hanley. <laughs> because if you recall in the book, he doesn't go to the sewer. He gets injured no. at the library. Oh, he, get, he gets yeah. left behind in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So Good I'm wondering, point. like, what no are they going to change that? Right? I haven't seen Bowers yet. No, no Bowers yet, and there he better show up. Oh, I think he's Actually, absolutely going to show up. I know he does because we saw this. We saw the set photo where um, he was getting in the car with Belch. So, oh, is that? Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh wow. So that's oh, you mean like, uh, Lebre? Whatever. Lebre. <laughs> yeah. Roland Lebay. Um, yeah, Lebay. Lebay. <laughs> think it'll be Christine. I hope it's Christine. Oh, that'd be amazing. Um, uh, yeah, that was like several months ago, but I remember that there was a leaked shot of. Uh, oh, I did not know that. Into the car, so. So they are going to do like the ghost thing again. Um, yeah, which I'm too. I love that story. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And they kind of allude to that in the first one with him like seeing the shit that's all on the TV and all. Um, yeah, I just hope it ends. I just hope it ends better because even in the book, like it's just kind of anticlimactic. Oh, and I agree. in the series, it really doesn't work. But I hope that they. 
they do a little bit more with Bowers. He's my boy. Well, if you recall, based on even the conversations we had with Tom Lee Wallace and also with Andy Machete, like a couple years ago, they were really sort of like hesitant on the spider stuff. Like, so yeah. I, I imagine that this ending is going to have a totally different thing. Um, however, one thing that we do see in this trailer again, is a pretty major spoiler is the ritual of Chud. They're all standing together in a circle it's and staring. Or it's, it's, it's chewed. I forgot. I, I I just watched Chud on um, Shutter a few weeks ago. So I always say Chud. I always get it wrong. So the ritual of chewed. Um, it's see they, they they show all of them in a circle, and then I have to imagine that's the that, that's the ritual, right? Well, I mean, it's it's broad enough that uh, that you never. I feel like you know you don't know, but it probably is. But wasn't there some scene where they all stood and held hands like that in the first movie? Yeah. They might just be- could be anything. I like. I wonder if they're going to do the smokehouse and like see the origins, or I hope they do. I love. Well, they they are definitely one of the scenes I just skipped over by accident was that we do see Pennywise jump out of a vent in what looks as if it could be the old ironworks or whatever that building was mm-hmm. that that Mike yeah. said his parents had burned into. You know, burned down yeah. into. Um, I'm hoping that's the scene with the bird. You know, I think yeah. it would be cool. I, if they do, could I don't it. think they're going to do the bird. Yeah, so? maybe. Maybe the maybe Mrs. Kirsch's shirt is a clue. I don't know. I wonder. Or unless that, you know, because in the first one, we did get the Lego turtle that is supposed to be like kind of like a, a fun reference to mature. And like, I wonder if that's the only thing that we're going to get for the turtle. And that's the only thing we get for the birds, you know, like these little kind of Easter yeah. eggs. Yeah. But the it last makes sense. Like, I'm glad they're not tackling the turtle. Honestly, that's just a lot. Could you imagine if they just threw it in there without any sort of context? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But they said that it was going to get really cosmic, right? Like yeah. they said that they were going to go there with the ritual of Chewed. Like they said it's in the movie. So you never know. Like they might try to, they might try to weave it in a little bit. They might. I mean, the, the, the idea, you know, Caffrey was texting that even just the idea that it has the, the my fada has yeah. that hints of those cosmic origins also. So, yeah, which is neat. You know, I, I think that I don't know how far they're going to go into it though. Cause I can't imagine they want to really lift off the ground too much. Um, right. But the last thing is um, that the there were two things really. One is we you know Jessica Chastain recently talked about. There's a scene that has like the most blood ever used in a horror movie. I guess that's always going to be debatable by the horror hounds. And every time it's mentioned on Twitter, someone goes dead alive. But um, <laughs> either way, the it seems as if um, that's the scene where you know you see her drowning in what appears to be a pool of blood. But if you look closely, yeah. it's the school bathroom. So, oh, um, I didn't notice that. Yeah, we have a I have a side by side photo that um that managed to see because I I looked at it and was like this doesn't look like her bathroom at home and also wouldn't make any sense for her to be at her own home so like where the hell is this um, and then somebody on Reddit had a, a really cool side by side shot and I was like ah it is it is the bathroom stall mm-hmm. where she was in the beginning when she got all the trash like piled on her in the first one so yeah um, interesting and then the last I'm sorry is, if you guys can hear my cat purring by the way he's I on can't. my lap so let me just, church church let me cat? know and I'll push him off yeah this is church Aww. he's here church cat um and then the last is the kid you know uns- the next unsuspecting kid that uh, Pennywise goes uh, gets before you know, super the legend it chapter two. So, um, looks like we're going to get some, uh, some kids death here. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, this movie will probably contain child death. Yeah. This movie about a child killing clown. will probably have some, she yeah. doesn't look that scared. You know, <laughs> maybe she asked for it. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, she, but again, Georgie didn't look too scared either. And I think we had this huge debate on 
the first episode or the second episode of their it book coverage of being like, what would the clown have to do to entice me, you know, to actually like not be scared and be like, what the fuck is this thing in a sewer? Um, there are so many fucking Pennywise storm drains in Iowa city that like they really creep me out. Yeah. You can see right into them, into the gaping blackness. He's, <laughs> but- a, he's in there. <laughs> Um, I have to say, I kind of liked the uh, repetitive Pennywise clown laughter that mm-hmm. was ringing throughout the, the latter half of the trailer. Um, there was something about the repetitiveness of it that, and the artificialness of it that uh, actually I thought was kind of effective. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, the, the slogan that is bookended by the laughter is um, the end of it, right? Like, uh, Oh, does it say that? Yeah, it's like, I forget how it starts, but it's like, Wit- it's like witness the end of it yeah and by it i mean th- they might mean the battle but it kind of does sound like okay like they're gonna kill it again <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> what did they just make like you know warner brothers like look it made so much money let's just keep making sequels baby and they like <laughs> you know we just keep hiring newer you know older and older you know cast members and then they finally do a prequel and then they do like a spinoff movie i mean i i don't Given the amount of money that this movie is going to make, I I wouldn't put it past them to do some sort of prequel thing. In you know? chapter seven. That would be great. It would be like the first bit of like actual new material. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it, September it, it, 6th is really soon, you guys. I know. I know. What about the lack of Stan? Wait, what? I mean, what about the lack dead. of Stan here? I mean, he is going to be dead, but... It is kind of weird that we don't see we see him as a kid, like all the way in the back. But it's kind of weird that we don't see him at, at all in this. Well, he's only in one scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please, please, God, tell me they're not going to try to do the uh, his head in a fridge scene like oh. they did in the miniseries and in the book. That's the worst shit. Yeah, that, that actually, that's a good point. What do you what are some things in the miniseries other than that like, that you are worried that they might actually bring into this? Um, I guess, yeah. Number one for me is is. uh is the is Stan's head in the fridge thing? I hope that once Stan's dead, they just leave him be. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want it. Yeah. Um, I hope that they don't. Um, I remember Eddie. Well, this is from the book, but Eddie's like baseball uh, flashback. I just, oh yeah, it's really that was not one. Do you of our, think Myra the Hog will be? Oh God, not. <laughs> just let him be live on it. Like in the because then in the miniseries you had like his overbearing mother who he lived with. So just let Eddie be like a. Let him live on his own. <laughs> you know, you want, you know, I know something's weird that I'm just, that I just saw right now. Um, because that, one of my things was going to be like, I want a better Audra because I thought that whole sequence and stuff in the, in the, the miniseries was just awful. Yeah, um, but I actually really like Jess Weixler, but uh, honestly she won and beat out Julianne Moore, Haley Atwell and Claire Danes. Wow. Yeah. Wait for this role. Yeah. Julianne Moore. Isn't that weird? It says Julianne Moore on the casting of Audra, Julianne Moore, Haley Atwell and Claire Danes are originally considered for the role. Wow. I can't imagine Julianne Moore and in, 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 in like being a supportive role that low. I know that would be so wild to me. Um, yeah. Hey, Kings Dominion, she played uh, you know, Margaret white. So, and she's playing, um, she's, she's in Lacey's story. Yeah, that's true. So and she was, she was Carrie's mom in the remake. Yeah, Margaret, uh, good old Margie White, right? Yeah. Or, so how about, I mean, Claire Danes would have been weird, too. But, I mean, it's just too big. There are two biggest stars for this role. I mean, I, I, right, right. Haley um, Atwell, I know that name. She was in the, she's like the Captain America's wife, right? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all I know from. So, um, yeah, well, 
that's that. I mean, I'm excited. It's a I pretty mean, good breakdown, Mike. I think this is pretty good. Yeah. Now I have to go type it all out and, um, and put it into a doc, but I, I'm, ex- I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still very cautious. I think I'm cautiously yeah. optimistic. Yeah, yeah. I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't know. I, you know, if it were up to me, there would be no more trailers, but yeah. you know, there's probably going to be at least two more. Um, and they're going to just keep revealing more and more. And cause that's just how it is these days. And I wish that it could stay more secretive, but you know, as part of this pod and just in our jobs, we have to keep watching them. So <laughs> like if it were up to me, yeah. I'd be like, I don't want to watch anymore. I just want to go see the movie. But, uh, but you know, based on this trailer, I think, um, you know, I think, cause I think that, you know, and Justo especially feels this way, which is yeah. just, you know, expectations are fairly low because, um, we're not sure how much we trust the talent behind this, because I think that it was nice having Carrie Fukunaga as sort of a, you know, an early guiding hand with the first movie. And, uh, and I think Andy Muschietti is talent, but I'm not sure I fully trust him with, with this huge property. And then Doberman, obviously we're a little bit jaded with, so, so we'll see, but the cast is great. Uh, you know, this footage looks pretty good so far. There's some really striking shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that shot of Pennywise over the Paul Bunyan statue. So, you you know, I think that there's a lot to be optimistic about and, um, you know, sign me up. <laughs> what about you, Mel? I'm, I'm just cautious. Mm-hmm. I feel so burned, like <laughs> feel burned by pet cemetery most recently. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. not, I just, I'm, I'm very willing to be surprised. It's not like I'm not going to go see it, you know? Right. Um, but even the stuff that I liked in this trailer on rewatch, I was like, oh, no, they did do something to kind of like poke a hole in that. Oh, they did do something to poke a hole in that other thing. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to suffer from what we're predicting it will suffer from. And but I'm I'm very open to being proven wrong. It's, Please prove yeah. me wrong. It's, it's interesting you, you mentioned the Pet Cemetery thing, because I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, doesn't that feel like it already came out like four months ago? Yeah. <laughs> God, I hated that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've sat on it a little bit more, and there's still aspects of it I really do like, and I and I appreciate some of the stuff that they're trying to do. But yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely like I need something like really solid in the in this King Renaissance right now to kind of bounce back a little bit. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, what else? Do we, what do we have coming out? Like we got we Creep Show, which is I'm Creep really show. excited for. Castle uh, Rock season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Stand. And then Stand probably- until next year, probably. Yeah, because they're still not done casting King's Head, so. No, and that's kind of interesting. You said that they are, they have been casting. So there are yeah. people that have been cast. I, I'm look, I'm saying it right here. I put it on Twitter. I want Devin Sawa as Stu Redman. There's no way in hell. <laughs> Remember that episode where we were supposed to talk about casting and all we did was say David Boreanaz? Yeah. <laughs> Watch that actually happen. If that happens, I, oh, God. Well, that's what I was saying. It's like CBS talent. Like, what are you going to get? I mean, I'm hoping that that because it's CBS All Access and, you know, TV's cool now that they can get some good people. But I'm still putting my money on uh, David Boreanaz. I would pre- much prefer Devin Sawa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, God, I'd love to have Sawa. Um, oh, and then also uh, Dr. Sleep, which which, by the way, I loved in the interview when he talks about like, you know, they called me up and they said, uh, you know, they want uh, Ewan McGregor as as an old Danny Torrance. And I said, sure. Go for it. When I was like, <laughs> like what if what if what if he insisted on someone from one of his shows that he likes on like what's that show yeah. that he likes the promise or whatever it is that uh, um, he wants Mark Paul Gosselaar yeah. from Passage. <laughs> the Passage, that's that. what it is. Yeah. Oh my god. Or like uh, Titus Welliver from Bosch. <laughs> or if they wanted Hugh Laurie at the height of Chance fame. That is true. Have happened. Oh, oh shit. Chance. Chance. Hey, Hugh Laurie would be a great. Uh, I agree. Uh, Which one? 
Glenn. Yeah, he would actually. Damn. Oh yeah. I actually hope that happens. Hmm. Well, we could probably have a casting session coming up soon with that because I imagine that's going to be coming out within the next month or two. Yeah, they'll probably announce some of the main names within the next two months, I would say. Yeah. And and main names is, you know, main is in the state of Maine. (laughs) For any. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up for uh, this week. Um, Thanks, everyone, for being able to take the time. And uh, this this is one of the earliest recordings we've done in a a long time. Yeah. It's very nice. It's very nice. But uh, we're going to be back next week when we talk about the dark half of the movie. Yes, we've been hyping this movie episode for, I think, three or four weeks now. Um, You've already had a chance to learn about the score (laughs) before we talk about the movie. Uh, But uh, we're going to be back with that. And then we have a bunch of really fun uh, episodes coming up. And in addition to uh, what's the next book that we're going into for past midnight. midnight. Which episodes are you on again? Uh, Library Policeman and Sundog, which, and I've been reading them this weekend. Nice. And I'm on Secret Window. Me too. Yes. Nice. With Johnny Depp. With oh, Johnny man. Depp. I'm very excited to know that episode because that's one of the few where I prefer the movie to the book. And even but <laughs> <laughs> the movie is derided. So, <laughs> Well, I, I'm excited to watch it again, too, because um, a fun little anecdote. I remember when it was out in theaters and I was so bored in South Florida because I think it came out around spring break of college for me. And I, I just had nothing to do. Like, it's one of those nights where, like, you have all this time, nothing to do. And I remember my girlfriend at the time was like, ooh, there's this new Stephen King uh, movie that's out. And I was like, oh, which which one is that? Oh, Secret Window with uh, Johnny Depp. And I remember thinking, like, I love, I like Johnny Depp. I like Stephen King. I like horror movies. I have nothing to do. I have no interest in seeing this movie. And then <laughs> <laughs> I think we went and, like, I was dying. It was just so boring and not good, but whatever. Yeah. I think uh, I saw it multiple times. <laughs> I don't remember anything. Do you have it on DVD? (laughs) I've talked about this on the podcast before. I I only remember the last shot of the movie and how it, it, spoiler alert, the movie ends. It's blackout on him biting into a big juicy piece of corn. Yes, yes. That's all I remember too, honestly. I I think of corn all the time, even though it has nothing to do with it. That's what I see before I fall asleep at night. (laughs) Do you you have a, um, a poster that like, you know, like when Blockbuster used to have those posters up, like coming soon to DVD? your video cassette like right. that, that you have like one of those old promotional posters that's like kind of torn at the bottom oh yeah it's just tapped away <laughs> yeah yeah hanging up over the bed yeah you should oh we, that, that, that would be great to get a secret window poster i'm actually gonna see if i could find one on ebay to get for the office <laughs> like why do you have a poster of this uh well anyway thank you so much please 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 rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, on, on Facebook. Uh, give us a review on Twitter. You can't really do that, but just, just hit us up on Twitter. We, we, we really, really appreciate that. And we, we, you know, what do you call it, uh, Randall? Fresh content? Fresh content on every channel. Yeah. We bring it. Yeah, we, we, we got it all there. And especially on Instagram where I, um, I unloaded all of the screenshots that I took of this the new eight trailer. So we got a lot there. And uh, we're going to be having a lot coming up, and including some opportunities that uh, you're going to be wanting to know. Um, but until then, long, long days, days and, and pleasant, pleasant nights.
Consequence Podcast Network.